Hey, Al McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you are watching or listening to this. How are you doing, Suns fans? This is the Saturday live edition right now of the Suns Solar Panel. We are streaming on YouTube. If you catch us later, that's totally fine. If you're here right now, we'd love to hear from you. Get in those comments, talk to us. It's going to be a great show today. This is the Suns Solar Panel. This is Dave King as your host. I am joined today on my panel with my regular partner, Brandon, or Zona Hoops. How's it going, Brandon? Not bad. It's been a little minute since we recorded and, uh, you know, not a lot of Suns action going on, but good to kind of get a little break from, from all that. Yeah, we took the week off and I just let an old um, pod fester a little bit with Keith Smith. Um, so it's good to be back. It's good to be back live. We don't necessarily have any great new Suns news, but there's always stuff to talk about with the Phoenix Suns. Jake, Coach Fallen founder, how's it going with you, man? Doing well, doing well. Uh, congratulations to the uh, to all the Warriors fans out there. I guess uh, some it seemed like every time, well, one of the other, you know, depending on which team won, I'd get an immediate alert to my phone: Is, is this spelled the end of the Warriors, or can the Celtics possibly bounce back? I'm like, yeah, that's what happens. It goes one game, then the other team gets another shot. But <laughs> congratulations to the Warriors for finishing it out. I guess experience does still count for something, even though I know a lot of Suns fans are. We're, we're kind of hoping that uh, it just didn't have to be the Warriors. So, but uh, the Celtics win it a lot, too, so I'm okay either way. All right. Um, we've got Phoenix Suns 22, F the Warriors. Yeah, <laughs> gotcha. Totally. Um, we, uh, we are not Warriors fans here on the pod, that's for sure. There's no good reason not to be Warriors fans except that they are a rival. I am still disappointed that we did not get to see a – 64 win playing Suns team against the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. Um, it would have been nice to see a healthy, playing well Suns team. But, you know, if ifs were a fifth, we'd all be drunk. So um, this time the ifs got the Suns. And now um, Devin Booker gets to spend the summer on the beach with Kendall Jenner his little his little girlfriend and they get to spend a lot of time talking about <laughs> ifs and drinking fifths that's that sounds that sounds fun uh i i just i, I i'm like in that point of i just can't wait to get moving forward because if i have to read one more article and i'm sure you guys agree about late night video games or a positive covid outbreak i'm probably going to lose my mind on that entire series worse than i already did <laughs> Yeah, I'm just pretending like it never happened at this point and uh, just looking forward to the July 1st. Uh, free agency needs to start, and once the chaos gets rolling, you know, the offseason is the best part of the NBA, in my opinion. Uh, better than the regular season and, and probably better than more exciting than the playoffs, if we're being honest here, unless it's your team playing. Um, so, yeah, the offseason yeah, is all, what it's all about. This is the exciting part of the, of the, off, of the season. Actually, um, I, I run that uh, Bright Side of the Sun website, and that actually we get more hits, more views, more visits in. It's pretty crazy. Huh? Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Just cut out Are there. We back? For a oh, yeah. You, you yeah. just momentarily. We froze up for a second, didn't we? But I, th I think I heard you say, yeah, you get more visits uh, in the You off get more visits in June and July than yeah. any other time. 
Hey, um, so says Jay says they broke up. Uh, Devin what? and Kendall. I don't care. He's probably got some other girlfriend instead. It's not a big deal. Whatever. Meow, they're um, not together anymore. All right. Yeah. So Fallen Founder, I want to I want to commend you on first thing in the morning smoking a cigar. I mean, hey, who needs to live? <laughs> well, I mean, clearly not the sons. But uh, no, I mean, hey, a, a coffee and a cigar at 11 o'clock. Uh, happy uh, Father's Day weekend out there uh, for our fathers, uh, fathers that are fathers and fathers You're to welcome. be. So yeah. congratulations to all of you. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, since we're talking trades, I felt like I had to get the smoke filled room going and uh, an ode to Tim Tompkins. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll do my best to blow it right into the camera uh, every the time. I've original, got a the original box. vape pen. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> Let's do. There this. we go. <laughs> we miss you, Tim. <laughs> oh, you're. Are you, you got a Stein there too? You got beer in there? Oh, the the, co- the coffee. I'm going to be wired after this. I, I'm going to only be firing up. I'm going to be Stephen A. <laughs> okay, Smith by the end of coffee. this thing. I, I hope thinking, you guys are ready to rock. That was a. Uh, that was good. Guinness or something like that with your <laughs> with your cigar. All right, man. Um, so hey. Let's uh, get caught up. Obviously, we talked about it already. The Warriors won the NBA Finals. Uh, they have they won the championship. They set a standard for. Would you guys call them a dynasty? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And Bill Simmons and Dave. I don't know if you won it, but Bill Simmons going on the record saying he won it uh, just sounds like a salty Celtics fan to me. You win four in eight years. You're, yeah, dynasty. Six finals, four championships in eight years um, with the same core. I mean, you've exactly. got the Kevin that's, Durant. That's the key right now, there. That's, that's the but key. You've it's got the, same core. the top three players and the coach. And the only was uh, the moonlighting of Kevin Durant for a couple of years there. But, man, that's uh, that's pretty good. I would give them I – I, I definitely call them a dynasty. Um, I am hoping they start breaking down. I thought they were going to break down this playoffs and they didn't. Even they admit this is the most unlikely of their championships. There was nothing given, nothing inevitable about this one like the prior ones. So, yeah, I think uh, I, th- I think definitely they're a dynasty. Um, but all dynasties have to end at some point. Steph is 34. Draymond is, I don't know, 62, he feels like. Um, you've got Clay Thompson, who, I don't know. He's not, he's, he is who he is. He's definitely uh, not, Devin Booker is not a B minus Clay Thompson. We'll, we'll say that. Um, we have also in the past week, let's spend about five minutes talking about news um, off the court. There was a, um, a report, another report by Baxter Holmes in ESPN that a Suns employee quit right after the end of the season. Female employee who had been with the team for 15 years, which is since Sarver has owned the team for 18 now, um, that's almost the entire Sarver tenure. And yet she says it's the worst it's ever been. Very toxic, very misogynistic. Uh, she felt she was treated unfairly as a woman compared to the men in her sales group uh and she quit and uh she's putting a name to one of the you know 100 faces or so that that uh has been referenced as as complaining about the toxic culture there have you guys had put any thought into it or read that article or anything well i feel like now you'd set us up for failure if we were like no i haven't been paying attention to that no. 
I'm, I'm one of those doing toxic that. guys that doesn't <laughs> pay attention to that. Uh, but no, I mean, this is this there's is, there's women in the workplace. No, uh, okay, go ahead, Jake. No, uh, uh, see, yeah, I, I almost made a joke, and I can't do that anymore. Uh, but uh, no, I mean, uh, it's it's it feels like there, it's a ticking time bomb, right? Like we're all just waiting for the Sarver story to drop about what's going to happen with him and team ownership. Um, you know, personally, I, I don't, I, I have no clue uh, how Sarver operates in the Valley, just stories that I've heard. And I could see how it could be a bro-like culture. Um, you know, we hear about this all the time. And, you know, is it going to be more like the bro-like culture of Uber? Uh, I think there was even a documentary on that. Or is it, are we going to run into something a little bit more recent, like uh, what we saw with the Washington Post, where um, it kind of went, surprisingly the other direction after a while uh where people just said okay we do need to clean up the workplace but we don't need to um bash the entire you know all of your colleagues uh publicly um to to get that done so uh the the good thing about the united states is that we're always trying to get better the bad thing is we never quite get there so um good thing about the united states is we always say we should yeah (laughs) <laughs> that's that's step number one <laughs> admitting you're an alcoholic then fixing the problem is always the harder part for us as we take another drink yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> zona what are your thoughts on this yeah i mean uh it's unfortunate that's what the culture is but if mark cuban still has a job then you know the same is going to be for sarver here there's still no smoking gun there's not something that's like oh he's done that's dropped yet uh suns fans are waiting for it but it hasn't happened yet so until that happens i'm just going to re- remain the skeptic yeah. I am and uh, Sarver's going to be the owner till he drops dead at this point is uh, kind of what I'm counting on at this point, just because, you know, I'm cynical. Oh, you're counting on um, him dropping dead. Oh, that too. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, I just, uh, I don't see it happening at this point unless, you know, something major happens and he's forced out. Uh, he's, yeah. he's, he's too stubborn to sell the team on his own, uh, you know, on his own watch. So we'll, we'll see. I like many Suns fans. I hope I'm wrong, um, but we'll see. Yeah, no, I, I, anything that came out this past week uh, will have zero impact on Robert Sarver as the owner. First of all, she never mentioned Sarver by name. She only said her department, her coworkers, her immediate boss um, there. As you say, if Mark Cuban is still in power, then um, there's no precedent for moving Robert Sarver out because of the kind, because of misogyny, because of treating women as lesser. Uh, that has never been a cause for somebody in the sports world losing their position. Racism has been a cause, and that was Donald Sterling. And Donald Sterling was just so blatantly obvious about it. Adam Silver couldn't turn his back, couldn't turn away. So even if it's just third hand and and uh, once, you know, one one former coach complaining about it, uh, like it was last November with Robert Sarver on racism, um, it's that's not going to be enough either. So uh, what's sounds like uh, we don't know what's really in the final report yet. Hopefully, if there is a smoking gun and there is really obvious racism and mismanagement, it's possible they're quietly trying to move Sarver out. I thought it was interesting that. A year ago, and I don't think this is Sarver cherry-picking good and bad. Could be, though. A year ago, when the Suns lost in the finals, the Suns sent out a letter saying, we're going to be back stronger next year. And it was signed by Robert Sarver himself. This year, the Suns lose in the second round of Game 7. They say, 
sorry, we're in this together. We're going to get out of it. We're going to climb out together, blah, blah, blah. We're all in this together. And it was signed by James Jones and their, their, the business side president. I forget his name, Jason something, Jason Rowley, James Jones and Jason Rowley, but no Sarver signature. So, um, I don't know if that's just Sarver you know, not wanting to be a part of apologizing for a bad finish, or if it was Sarver being moved out um, of you know of the limelight in, in, in anticipation of him being moved out of ownership. But we didn't hear anything new in this past week that would move him closer to losing his job. Is all I just wanted to kind of conclude with, from my point of view, anyway. Uh, so says Jay. So says Jay's wife wants to know. Why Brandon doesn't have a screen name? We've all got at Fallen Founder, at Dave King NBA. Brandon's just Brandon. <laughs> Get a screen name right Good now. question. I guess I got to update that. Uh, at Zone Hoops underscore. Follow me on Twitter. <clears throat> there you go. Uh, so says Jay. says I'm reading too much into who signed the letters. Maybe I am. But it's weird that Sarver signed a year ago and, and he wasn't anywhere this year. That's all. And he hasn't been doing any Gambo radio interviews talking about what a great season they had or what they're going to do going forward. And every year he does a Gambo interview. I haven't heard any of those either. Something smells so. like goat crap, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> that really gets my goat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so I watched as I watched the NBA Finals. Yes, I'm I'm a glutton for punishment. I watched the NBA Finals. I was rooting heavily for the Celtics simply because I didn't want the Warriors to win, and I couldn't help but notice Andrew Wiggins. We're moving on to the section of the show where we kind of um, are going to transition to DeAndre Ayton. Um, I couldn't help but notice Andrew Wiggins being the second best player for the Warriors in most of the finals. Um, he, he grabbed all the rebounds. He defended Jason Tatum better than anybody had defended Jason Tatum. Can we just point out that Jason Tatum is, is not being vilified for shooting 33% in the finals. And yet Devin Booker came up short quote unquote by shooting only 45% in the finals a year ago. But anyway, and they both lost in six games, but Andrew Wiggins defended Jason Tatum very well. And you, the way they talked about Andrew Wiggins was that he's just some guy who happened to play well and nothing was expected of him. And, and it's, it's a wonder, it's a joy that an Andrew Wiggins could just be suddenly a difference maker in the finals. It's almost as if he wasn't a former number one overall pick who never lived up, lived up to his max contract extension that he got after year three for a terrible Minnesota Timberwolves team. Did you guys get that same? Like, do, do you guys feel like Andrew Wiggins somehow dropped his baggage and has become a brand new player who's like a bargain and wonderful to have on a team? Yeah. I mean, I think that's what playing in a system where uh, that plays into your strengths and you have veteran leadership around you can do. It's all about situations. Um, yeah. I thought he was, he was pretty impressive and, you know, stepped up when they needed him. And, you know, it just goes to show that two way wings are, probably the most impactful things you can have in, in a, in a playoff series, especially in the finals. So, um, you know, I thought he played great and I'm with you. I wanted the Celtics to win that series. Thought Tatum didn't show up and, yeah. um, I don't know what timeline you're seeing or if mine's different, but I've seen a ton of Tatum slander, uh, 
but that was mostly yeah. after they lost uh, this last game. Before that, I didn't see a ton, but it seems like, uh, you know, the internet's a ruthless place when your team loses. So uh, the memes were, were plenty for, for Boston um, after game six. So, yeah. Yeah, good. That, he deserves slander. If you're seeing his slander, that's great. Jake. <laughs> it, it was actually giving me a little bit of flashbacks to, to the Suns uh, watching all the slander of like Chris Paul just always blows series and uh, Devin Booker's clearly not ready for the finals because they lost four in a row. Um, but uh, let's not get into that because those wounds are still fresh from last season too. But the Celtics uh, lost four out of five. Yeah. Well, and but and what three I three in a yeah. row to, to close it out. To, to touch on what you were getting at, Dave, I mean, I feel like, and I could be off, I haven't looked at the stats, but I have not seen somebody toss up more shots less efficiently on a, in a finals run since maybe Allen Iverson in the Sixers, uh, because, and that he did that because he was the only, I think Eric Snow was their second leading scorer with 12 back then. So uh, the Celtics have other people that can put the ball in the basket, but they go to Tatum. And he kind of goes into, I mean, I, everyone made a big deal about how he likes to get ready like Kobe does and getting that mindset. Well, it took Kobe a couple of years to remember how to pass to his teammates uh, after Shaq had left. So, um, I mean, maybe we're going to see that. But I, I was kind of amazed how quickly uh, Jalen Brown was considered like, oh, he's good. I mean, he's definitely the second afterthought. It was just the Tatum yeah. show. And uh, but to speak to Wiggins, which was your original point, I mean, it, it is kind of amazing because the Warriors, when I think of the Warriors, I think Draymond Green um, playing feisty defense down low and then everyone else standing and shooting from the perimeter. And Wiggins was the guy that could actually slash and dribble drive. And so uh, zone is right. It was he was able to play into the system. And it is kind of refreshing because I still remember when he came out. He was what the next LeBron Canadian Canada's LeBron was coming. And so everywhere he went, it was just oh, this guy, he's just not living up to the expectations. And he's like, I never said I was Canada's LeBron. <laughs> just, you know, uh, sometimes I have to sit back and think about uh, former number one overall picks, uh, that former son's great, Anthony Bennett, uh, that uh, I don't even know if he's playing it at your local YMCA today. But um, Summer League legend. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, crazy sat on Tatum. I don't know if you guys saw this, but he's the first player in NBA history with 100 turnovers in a single postseason. So... Wow. all that talk about you know the celtics don't need a point guard all this and that like well that's that's what it got you uh a couple you know tatum and brown turning the ball over was painful to watch it reminded me of the suns yeah yeah so anyway the finals are over the warriors got what they got the celtics got what they got we're moving on now all 30 teams have a zero zero record going forward we have the NBA draft coming up next week. Uh, the Suns do not have any picks in that draft. And then um, a week after that, we have free agency. Now, so the Suns, let's, let's, let's set the stage really quick here. The Suns have just about everybody under contract for next season. Uh, they've got nine players. The rest of them are just minimum guys, right? So, of course, they don't have Alfred Payton under contract or anything like that. <clears throat> <laughs> um, but all their all their key players are under contract for you most of them one more season. The only player the Suns have fully signed for more than two years with guaranteed money. Who is that? There's only one player. Mikel Bridges. Come on, guys. <laughs> Mikel Bridges is the only player signed beyond two years. 
Devin Booker is eligible for a contract extension this summer. They'll probably get it. Um, a, a max value $200 million contract extension. Um, you've got, yes, Phoenix Suns and Zenith Phoenix. Yes, um, Bridges. They both guess Bridges fast enough. And um, everyone else is only one or two years still under contract. So the Suns actually are going to go into this summer not with cap space, but with trade equity. And that goes beyond DeAndre Ayton, who's a restricted free agent this summer. They've got half a dozen players that make between 5 and $10 million a year that you can aggregate together to acquire a higher salary guy who's ready to move on from his team. Now, of course, the Suns are initially going to be shooting for the sky. They're going to try, hey, LeBron, do you feel like leaving L.A.? Hey, Kevin Durant, do you feel like leaving the Nets? And we'll see. Um, we'll see if that's if that's true, uh, if those guys really push their way to the Suns like Chris Paul did. But it would have to be a push. It would have to be them making it happen. Um, otherwise, the Suns will be looking for, you know, kind of lesser talent. Ariel um, Shamit is not under he is he's got team options for years three and four so he's only under contract for two more years guaranteed nobody has money guaranteed beyond two years except bridges okay folks let's take a second to talk about our friends at DraftKings. sure the nba finals are over there's no more betting on that but there's so many other sports so many other things you can bet on check out DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba new customers New customers get any $5 bet and you get $150 in free bets instantly. Do parlays, do do all kinds of different things. You've got a lot of different options within the DraftKings app. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Uh, so I expect the sun, well, I expect we're going to see turnover this summer. Of course, the biggest name is going to be DeAndre Ayton. Uh, DeAndre Ayton is a restricted free agent. He's got a lot of rules around his tradeability. Uh, and, uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to spend the next half hour or so talking through, I want you guys to understand the rules around the Deandre Ayton trades and it's easiest to understand it when you actually put actual trade scenarios together and talk about whether they're real or not or legal or not. So Deandre Ayton is looking for a max contract max for him would be 25% of next year's salary cap. 25% of next year's salary cap is about $30.5 million. And then you get, if it's another team, up to 5% raises every year after that for from another team up to four years. The Suns can do still do five years with 8% raises, but the Suns have already shown they don't want to. Um, so they're going to wait for him to get an offer from somebody else, and then they're going to decide, are we just going to keep him? at that offer and match the offer, or are they going to try to negotiate a sign and trade? The Suns will definitely not let Aiton just walk away. That won't happen. Um, so, but the rules around Aiton though, is because that $30 million is almost triple what he's making this current year. Um, then the, there's a real rule called base year compensation where the Suns cannot bring back more than a little over half of what his new contract would be. And the dividing the the number is either 19.2 million or 20 million back for Aiton 
on a $30 million contract going out. So that's what makes it weird. The Suns cannot take back too much, but the other team has to take back within 25% of what they send back within 25% of what they acquire. So the math is a little off on receiving. So that's why you have to have a third team. To, they'd have to spin some players off on third team. But you cannot trade Aiton at $30 million for a guy, for any one player who makes more than $19 million. You just can't. So there's a lot of guys who make 18 or less million dollars out there, 19 or less million dollars out there. Very few of them are 24-year-old um, who, who's worth $30 million a year. So... Um, uh, let's let's talk through some scenarios now. For example, um, I'm looking in the chat right now. We've got a few suggestions in the chat. One is trade for Siakam and sign Looney. Now, Pascal Siakam, does anybody know what Pascal Siakam makes? I did not bring that one up. Siakam. Yeah, thanks. I, I just always think yeah. of how Shaquille O'Neal tries to say his name. Yeah, Pascal Siakam <laughs> makes $35 million this next year. No, you cannot use Aiton to get Pascal Siakam. Now, the Suns could always aggregate together Landry <clears throat> Shamit and Jay Crowder and Dario Saric. Sure, but why would the Raptors do that? So, um, but no. So Pascal Siakam is off the table. If you're looking for somebody from the Raptors, the most you can acquire is cash-wise would be OG Ananobi or Gary Trent Jr., who both make in the $17 million range. Uh, but Pascal Siakam is off the table. Um, so let me hide that one. Uh, let's see. Siakam, Siakam, no, no. Okay, let's get off of Siakam. Uh, the other trade suggestion was Brogdon or Rozier. So those are guys. Now, I, I love how we just like to recycle old rumors. <laughs> um, Brogdon and Rozier were big, big targets that summer that the Suns signed Ricky Rubio. And reportedly, the Suns were interested in both of those guys. Um, but I'm going to look up Brogdon. I think Brogdon makes too much money. And uh, Rozier, though, does not. Rozier could actually be acquired, but how would you feel about actually getting um, Terry Rozier back for DeAndre Aiden? Zona, what do you think? Yeah, Brogdon makes too much, by the way. Not great. <laughs> and that's that's the kind of thing you're going to find in these sign-in trades is you're not going to get anywhere near the value of DeAndre Aiden. Um, so the only way it makes sense to trade DeAndre is to get uh, some assets to flip in a separate trade. In my opinion, I think it's just uh, for a bigger deal. So, like, kind of that that rumor of maybe the fourth pick from um, Kings or one of those top ten picks from any of those teams linked um, could make sense to flip in a separate trade to go after a bigger name and use some of those contracts, like you mentioned, like Crowder, or Shamit, or whoever else. But I think the common trend you're going to find here is pretty much all these players are going to be a step down from DeAndre and make the Suns a worse team on the surface, but that doesn't mean that they're, they can't find other ways to improve. So um, you can't look at it as one trade. There's still the rest of the off season that goes with it, but, but yeah, Rozier for Aiton would be a colossal failure from turning your number one pick to Terry Rozier. Not, not ideal. 
Yeah, okay. So Sunderous Dunks replied with he wasn't talking about DA for them. He thinks the Suns are going to acquire one of those two guys for expirings. So let's talk about whether, like, an Indiana Pacers would want to trade Malcolm Brogdon for $20 million in expirings from the Suns. The Suns uh, right now could send out uh, Jay Crowder, makes $10 million. Landry Shamit, $9.5 million next year. Dario Sharks, $9.2 million. Campaign, $6 million. Cam Johnson, $5.89 million. Torrey Craig, $5.12. What's the one name that I just listed there that another team might want in return for a Rogier or Brogdon? Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson, yeah. Yeah. What, would you want to trade Cam Johnson for Terry Rozier? Probably not. It's it's close. It's closer than yeah. Aiden, that's for sure. For sure. I, I mean, I think Cam Johnson's going to be one of our best trade ships uh, this uh, offseason. If we want to go that way, I, I'm ready to jettison him from the Valley. But, yeah, I, I think uh, – I'm not a big believer of scary Terry. Um, I'm more scared of what he's going to do on the court than scared of what he's going to do to the opponents. Uh, (laughs) And uh, there's a reason why he's had a hard time as a full-time starter, I feel like. So um, yeah, trading, trading a top 10 uh, top. Yeah. Top 10 big man for a very skilled, I I view him more as a six man. I, you know, and so are you know, a collection of Dario Saric uh, type players is not going to probably move the needle enough to get off that contract for them. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't, uh, I think Cam, we can get more for Cam Johnson, I guess is what I'm getting at too, um, uh, for our best trade chip than to, to go after Scary Terry. Any thoughts on your end? Brandon? Yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, the Suns do need a guard like Rozier, um, someone that can create their own shot off the bench, like like Jake mentioned, just a, a six man. But um, if you're giving up Cam, who's you know just finished second in six man voting, then you're kind of uh, setting yourself back on that end. So I think right now, uh, like you mentioned earlier, Dave, Dario, Jay, Shamit, those are the guys. Plus future picks, you have all your future picks uh, at your disposal at this point. So finding some combination of those three and uh, some picks and, you know, whoever else other teams might find uh, any value in just trying to combine that and finding that um, that six man, because, you know, there's reports of Eric Gordon for a first rounder. Same thing as last offseason so, or last uh, trade deadline. And then there's, um, you know, Jeremy Grant expiring contract. If they could find a way to get him without giving up eight in, because that's kind of been what the, the rumors been. If you can get some expirings and some future picks for him, uh, I think that'd be a, a nice fit with DeAndre, but uh, at this point, all signs point towards uh, DeAndre getting shipped. So uh, that might. Yeah, not be I like I like what you're thinking, though. Um, so the the Pistons are looking to move on from um, um, Jesus Christ. How did I just Jeremy? His name? Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy. <laughs> Uh, the Pistons are looking to move on from Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant, why would the Pistons want to move on from Jeremy Grant? Do you guys know? Expiring. And uh, he takes some shots away from the young core. So. Yeah. Yeah. So Jeremy Grant's profile right now is that he went to the Pistons for the biggest role in an offense. Um, he's proven that that makes them the worst team in the NBA. 
when he's the biggest <laughs> offensive role, but I'm not. But he's also still talking about wanting um, a huge extension after when because he, he expires in a year. So, do you really want to spend the next year? You know, everyone people were complaining a little bit that DeAndre Ayton was talking too much about himself and not enough about the team. Jeremy Grant's like worse. <laughs> He'd be worried about touches while they're winning games and uh or he'd just be you know a little grumbling on uh, underneath you know under the surface which turns out deandre Ayton was too and that kind of sours you for the season so um and in a year from now you want to have given up whatever you gave up to get jeremy grant even if it's not da it's a couple of it would take a couple of like um you know it'd be cool if they could do landry shamit and, and uh tory craig uh or something like that that'd be great um, then you get bring in Jeremy Grant, but a year from now he either leaves for nothing, or he um, or he stays, and you've got to pay him twenty plus million dollars. And is that the kind of thing you want to give a thirty year old? Because he'll be thirty by then. So there's a reason Detroit is okay moving on from Jeremy Grant, and it's not necessarily <laughs> good for the Suns. But would I complain if he gets acquired? It depends on who they got acquired for. But if it's a guys, you know, guys like I just said. Landry Shamit, Tory Craig, campaign. I probably wouldn't complain at all. I probably think that was yeah. a good trade. No, it's a it's a fair point. And the reason I'm sort of on board with doing it, like with those guys, those expirings would just be because you saw how effective he was in Denver as a lesser option. So if you can get him to buy in, then I think he'd be an awesome, you know, at this point, probably a second option to to book if if uh you know if his cards are played right, but still in, in this offensive system, it's not going to be as free reign as Detroit where he kind of does whatever he wants and he's trying to get paid. So it's definitely a concern, but I think if you can get him to buy in, he's kind of what you need as a athletic four that can, you know, destroy sure. things defensively and, and create his own shot from time to time. Well, quick, quick question. <clears throat> if the money was the same and, and it was equally easy to acquire each of them, who would you rather have on the Suns team, Aaron Gordon or Jeremy Grant? Jeremy Grant. I go okay. Grant. Yeah. See, I, I guess I, I view them very similarly. That um, they are kind of like what we saw with Gordon and the Magic uh, for all those years. And Suns fans were like, "We should get Aaron Gordon." It's like, yeah, he's a very productive guy on a very uh, underwhelming team. Um, but if he's going to sit there and say, "You know what? I need the ball. Uh, you know, I can't pass it to myself." Um, we ju- we just experienced. Can that you believe our- a player saying that? <laughs> I know, we're crazy. It's like, why would a center ever think that? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't want Aaron Gordon, and I just uh, I, I think Grant would be good. Um, but yeah, no, I, if he's not going to so come the, in, the, and buy the right advantage in. is the reasons I would pick a Jeremy Grant over Gordon. I hear what you're saying on the parallels there, and you're absolutely right. Um, uh, but the the difference is a little bit to me is. Uh, Jeremy Grant is a better three-point shooter. So he's he's yeah. turned into a high 30s three-point shooter, and Aaron Gordon has never been that. And that's what um, the Nuggets ultimately needed was shooting around Nikola Jokic. And, and when Gordon couldn't provide that, um, he's become like a not a great fit. Now, it could be that Gordon turns out to be a much better fit when Jamal Murray's back in the lineup. But um, I don't think that that um, Gordon, I never was a big fan of Gordon. And even on a team that needed his scoring, he never got over 16, 17 points a game. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that that Jeremy Grant's a better fit for the Suns. He's longer. 
Um, he's got a um, little bit more. He doesn't rebound at all, though. That's the problem. Is if you're going to acquire Jeremy Grant, you've absolutely got to have a DeAndre Aiden or, uh, or somebody who is a big volume <clears throat> rebounder in the middle uh, because you can't, you, you just can't go with no rebounding. See, here's the thing when the Suns let Kelly Oubre go, you know what actually happened was, yeah, they got better in some ways, but they became the worst uh, foul-drawing team in the league because Kelly Oubre alone drew five foul free throws a game, and that put them into the middle of the pack. And, of course, that tells you, okay, there isn't much difference between the top and the middle or the bottom and the middle. But Kelly Oubre, with Kelly Oubre on the team, the Suns lost uh, the ability to put people into foul trouble and all that. Um the worry that I'd, I'd have with uh, putting an Aaron Gordon or a Jeremy Grant in there is that, <clears throat> and if you don't have DeAndre Aiden sucking up all the rebounds, suddenly you can't rebound. If you can't rebound and you can't get to the free throw line, then I don't know how you can be as successful. You know, I just don't, I just don't see it. So I'd, I'd worry about what, you know, what we lose to get Jeremy Grant in there. If all you lose is a Jay Crowder, or Dario Sarge or Landry Shamet, then that's fine. Um, but it is it is tough to uh, to to see the bigger picture because that wouldn't be the only move. So there's been a couple of comments in here about Miles Turner. What do you guys think about Miles Turner in exchange for DeAndre Aiden? Pros and cons. Jake, you go first. Come on, Mia. Uh, that uh, I don't. What is this infatuation with Miles Turner? I feel like he's an underwhelming three-point shooter. I could hit thirty-three percent from three-point land. Uh, I mean, he he blocks shots. He doesn't score very much, uh, and you could argue that that's because Sabonis was kind of taking him and putting him in the corner for a while. But even when he was gone, it was it didn't improve that much. So, I mean, I, I keep hearing this. Oh, da for Turner and and. To me, you'd have to throw in the pick before I'd even start thinking about it. But right now, it's like saying, hey, you know, you've got a Mercedes, but I've got a perfect Yugo that will also take you to the, the same place you're trying to get. So just take that car instead. It's basically the same thing. No, uh, I, I'm not a Miles Turner guy. Uh, unless you're talking about a replacement for JaVale McGee, uh, I don't think we need Miles Turner. So yeah, I think uh, Turner... Like Jake mentioned, 33% from three the past two seasons. So he's more, at this point, a reputation shooter than he is an actual threat, kind of like Jay Crowder in the sense where defenses will respect him, but he's not hitting at a very efficient rate uh, like he did earlier in his career. Uh, he did lead the league in, in uh, blocks per game twice in his career. So that's one thing. He is an elite shot blocker. He will protect the rim. Um, but overall, he's not going to make any better offensively. Uh, he'll help with spacing, I guess, um, just due to the respect defenses pay him. But he's not someone that can go get you a bucket. He's not a great rebounder. Um, yeah, this number six pick would have to be in there and, and and probably more. But I don't think at that point Indiana would have real incentive to pay DeAndre and Max and trade that many assets. So I just – I don't see that deal getting done. Um, you know, Turner is – somewhere around league average as a center at this point. So it's, it doesn't really move the needle for me. Let me uh, circle back real quick. I'm going to talk about Turner, but I also, um, before I forget, when I said guys like uh, Terry Rozier and Malcolm Brogdon make too much money to be included in a DA trade, um, I was doing it on a one-for-one -one basis because their salaries are a little bit too big. Yes, for people who are thinking this, 
yes, the Suns could include a little more salary so that you can get raise the whole thing up to the 21, 22 million. But the problem is that the receiving team has that much more salary to send back out to a third team to make up the difference. And the only other salaries the Suns can include are five million and up because they don't have any low level guys on contract. So the Suns would have to send out another five million in salary. That would put it up to 35 million sent to another team to get back 22 million. That other team that that like for example, the Pacers to send Brogdon to the Suns would have to send out five, eight million dollars in free money, free salary, free player to a third team who doesn't have to send anything back and just takes them into cap space. So that just makes it less exciting for a Pacers team or a Hornets team to try to send a player that is over the DA match. So it's not impossible for the Suns to acquire a 21, 22, $23 million player for DA. It's just not very exciting for the receiving team to have to even send more out and take on a Tory Craig for $5 million. Like, People don't really want that. So um, that's that's the problem. Now, of course, Indiana signed Craig for $5 million a year a year ago. So maybe Indiana wants Craig back. Maybe it's just like a little trade-off, handoff. But I, I just, it's just not ex- as exciting for the receiving team if they have to do even more than take on DeAndre Aiden's max salary. And while uh, we're on the Pacers, a quick yeah. rant. Um, Tyrese Halliburton was traded for uh, Sabonis, who James Jones wanted to flip for DeAndre. Supposedly that was, you know, at least a discussion. So Tyrese Halliburton is someone the Suns could have drafted instead of Jalen Smith. Devin Vassell, another guy that's linked to the Suns and, and, you know, Jakob Pertl and Vassell. All these could have drafted. But you know what? How are they linked to the Suns? They're linked to the Suns by the people who wanted them originally in the draft. We don't know that the Suns have any interest in Halliburton. We don't know that the Suns have any interest in Vassell. We'll talk about the Spurs here before we're done. Um, But let me finish off my thoughts on Turner. So thank you for letting me have that aside there. Let's go back to Miles Turner. Mm -hmm. Um, Miles Turner, his problem, and you guys already hit on it, six rebounds a game. Can you imagine how frustrating it would be to have Miles Turner getting six rebounds, Jay Crowder getting four rebounds, Cam Johnson getting three rebounds, and Mikel Bridges getting three <clears> rebounds. The Suns would be out-rebounded by 25 a game. So you would have to then do a lot of work to get a high-rebounding forward, which the Suns don't want because they play a four-out offense. If They'd love to go five-out if they could. You don't put Miles Turner in the middle of a bad-rebounding team. You just don't. Now then you go, well, okay, well then get Sabonis to play power forward. The Pacers tried that for three years. That shit don't work. Why would the Suns try to recreate with the Pacers? That's crazy. Okay, so I'm not in on Miles Turner. I'm just not. And and then you go, well, but then they could flip other guys for Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant doesn't rebound either. <laughs> he gets six rebounds a game. So you've got to bring back rebounding is what I'm trying to say. So then you get to Atlanta. Let's move on to Atlanta. No one's brought it up yet today. Um, Keith and I kind of crapped all over the Atlanta idea, but um, Atlanta can happen for trades. They are currently hard capped, but as of July 1, they will not be hard capped again. And um, 
Oh yeah. Okay. We're going to talk about Jalen Smith here in a sec. Okay. Let me, before we get off of Pacers, let's go back to Jalen Smith and all this woe is us that Jalen, we didn't give Jalen Smith a chance. That dude, come on guys. He's, he's today's Hakeem work. He's not that great. I talked to Caitlin Cooper. I had a pod. You guys should listen to it. It was one of my midweek pods to talk about Jalen Smith when he was at the height of his newly acquired powers playing for the Pacers when they had all their injuries and he's getting double doubles because the Pacers are playing nobody because Miles Turner was hurt and but Sabonis was traded and all this stuff. And even she at the time, Caitlin Cooper is a great NBA analyst, guys. Caitlin Cooper, find her if you really want to learn about the game of basketball. Even she's saying, yeah, I don't know if he's worth the, you know, the 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 salary he would want in the offseason because he becomes a free agent. So look, the, the Jalen Smith, gosh, guys. Get off that nut, please. <laughs> it Jeez. took us like four or five years to move on from Dragon Bender, so it doesn't shock me that Jalen Smith still has a little. Look among, there. look among Marquise Chris, Dragon Bender, <clears throat> and Jalen Smith. I agree, Jalen Smith's the best of the three. Yeah. That doesn't make I him think, a good NBA. Yeah, he, he can still end up as a useful rotation big, maybe a fourth big in a rotation or third big. Um, but yeah, it's not someone you're, you know, dropping a bag for. So, so you, say, you know, say, remember Archie, Archie Goodwin? Goodwin? Yeah, hey, I was on Archie Goodwin's nut for five years myself. Yeah, after that dunk over Jonas, <laughs> I think everyone was for a little bit. That classic. You guys have seen uh, housing prices around the country, uh, gas prices, everything, inflation—it's all going up. And I know this is why the listeners uh, tune in for our economic analysis in addition to the Suns uh, talk. But uh, the only place where housing uh, has actually gone down in terms of pricing is on Bender Island. So, uh, if you guys are looking to invest. <laughs> Bender Island. If it's still above water, you got an investment. I for think you. the prices there are lower than Kaminsky Cove, actually. No, <laughs> I'm still on board for getting Frank back, so let's do that. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm guessing there's a 90% chance Frank signs a one-year contract this summer after all the after all the dust settles. Um, and Buck Dog and, and these guys, okay. Hello, I'm gonna share hello's comment. Hello says the woe is me should be for our drafts missing on Luca and Halliburton. Okay. You know what though, guys? Where's Devin Booker playing that lineup? Yeah. How are the Suns gonna the Suns led the league in wins for the past two years doing it the way they did it? Why do we spend so much time worrying about what might have been when the whole world is all butterfly effect and everything would have been different? You can't get much better than your third finals appearance in franchise history and six playoff series in two years and the most wins in the NBA in the last three years, two and a half years. Why are we still riding the nut of you have one bad game and all of a sudden everyone's comes back with the draft. Oh, woe is me. Woe is me. Uh, anyway, guys, hey, I ten, missed ten, a super chat. Is, yes. Yeah. Zenith Phoenix. Somebody wants to go all the way back to the Sarver thing. We already talked about that. Why is the NBA? I don't know. I'm not in the uh, thank you, P Dog. Thank you so much for the $2.69. We're going to split that evenly amongst us after YouTube takes their cut. Thank you very much. Um, we do appreciate any donations. You are awesome. I'm sorry I missed this earlier. Why are they taking so long? I have no idea. I know it took him years to get rid of Donald Sterling. So um, it they needed the actual, all the tapes released on Donald Sterling. We'll see what happens there. So thank you so much for the super chat, though. I do appreciate it. Um, 
By the way, you know, um, so not, and, and I'm only going to do a three-second political deviant here. They're still trying to litigate January 6, 2020. So why do you think lawyers could be any faster on the Sarver thing? <laughs> it's going to take years. I was wondering where you're going to go with that, Dave. And uh, Two and a half years to talk to about pull something it right that back. was 100% <laughs> videotaped. So that's why it's taking forever to do the Sarver thing, because none of that was videotaped. So it took days to get rid of Yes, but only when the smoking gun of his former girlfriend released all the tapes. We you you can ask Robert so says Jay. former girlfriend to release all the tapes. Yeah, you can ask so says Jay that, that uh, but attorneys like to get paid by the hour. So, uh, you know, th they're no interest in finishing this up faster. Oh, funny. Was it really January 6, 2021? Man, time flies and is slow as hell at the same time. Sorry about that. <laughs> time flies when you're having fun in D.C. <laughs> All right, guys, that's it for the for the deviation there. Um, let's go back to trade ideas. So Miles Turner, I think we went through that one. Um, Atlanta, we were going to talk about Atlanta. The Suns could fit Clint Capella into that return package with Atlanta. Would you want to send Trey Young, DeAndre Ayton, in exchange for Clint Capella back to the Suns? And... Um, do you think that keeps the Suns a contender if that's true, if they do that? Zona, you first. So I like this one more than Turner. Uh, it's still obviously a downgrade, but I think Capella could fill the role that Aiton has played offensively as like a roller, um, protecting the rim. He can move pretty well. He's played with Chris Paul in Houston and, you know, had some deep runs with him in the playoffs. So um, the chemistry would be there, but um, again, it's, it's still a downgrade. Uh, so that's, uh, like I said earlier, that's going to be the common theme with a lot of these guys. So um, it just depends on what they have lined up um, after that. And if they can acquire someone like a Bogdanovich with him and maybe get rid of some expirings, um, another guy that they, they shipped out. Uh, but that's that's a different story. But uh, anyways, I, yeah, I think Capella fits um, the A and roll closer than Turner does, but still it's, it's not going to really move the needle. Um, there, there's very few players that would in this case, but, but yeah, I, I think Capel is a solid fit, but again, just not nothing to write home about. So Sawbucks put in Capella and Collins. I don't, where did that come from, dude? Like how's Collins fitting in there? Capella barely fits into the train. Are you thinking that Atlanta would take Dario and Landry Shamit for Collins? Is that do what it, you're thinking? Do it, Atlanta. Do it. <laughs> okay. If you think that's what's going to happen, I'll take it. <laughs> Well, Sorry, they smoke don't, break to they don't want to play uh, pay Collins at all, so maybe they're they're desperate. Maybe uh, we'll send certainly send them some expirings if they want to do that. I'm all over it. But Capella, Capella's problem is he's getting up there in the in the NBA age. He's going to be turning 30. He missed half of last year with injuries. Yes, in his prime, he led the league in rebounding once, and uh, he's a he was a very good interior defender. But in his prime. You had to bench him for five out offenses. He would never would have played well. He never would have played much against the Mavericks. He would have ended up being like a Bismack Biombo type against the Mavericks. And is that really what you want from an eighteen million dollar a year guy? Um, so that's I'm I'm not totally I'm I'm look Capella would not be the worst thing in the world, but you would have to pray for health and you're already praying for health from Chris Paul. <laughs> Do you really want to pray on two gods for this? 
I don't know. Capel's 28. Yeah, but he'll be 29 next year. Okay. And uh, he'll be 30 before his contract is up. And I just don't think, and he played, I don't know about you guys, but I watched Atlanta Hawks in the playoffs and Capella did not look 28 years old. He looked to me in the playoffs like he was 35. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think he's, he's on his downside of his career and that's not when you want to acquire him. I, and yeah. he spent last year injured. His so, last two games of the playoffs against Miami, he played uh, 40 minutes total and scored four points. So, um, And this is with Trey having a special connection with Collins on those lobs for finishes, and he still only scored four points. Yeah. Hey, would it be great if we could acquire Bam out of bio? for DA let's let's go for that if we're going to be shooting for the shooting for the moon well it is is to me Clint is isn't he the poor man's version of Rudy Gobert Pretty yeah much. so is Miles Turner except he you know, Miles Turner doesn't rebound but I was gonna yeah. say yeah I mean so he, he's the poor version of Clint Capella who's the poor that, version that thinks of he uh, Gobert shoot. who <laughs> thinks he gets played things. off yeah. of every playoffs uh, I mean he's yeah. a great regular season center and if it was a more traditional back to the basket league, uh, and and I miss some of those old you know power days, uh, because Lord knows I was screaming at the TV telling Da to turn around and dunk it on people. But um, uh, Gobert, Capella, they could stop those kinds of uh, games. But uh, I mean, I would be furious to get matched up against. Uh, yeah, obviously the Mavericks are going to change a little bit too. But I'd be furious to match up with the Mavericks again next year's playoffs if we had a Capella. And because he's not going to be able to play more than 18, 20 minutes a game. Uh, and even then we're going to be saying we should just get him off the floor. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now it's easier to get a guy off the floor when he's not expected to be, but here's the thing. When you trade your third best player, potentially your second best player, depending on how well CP does next year for a guy that you're okay sitting on the bench because he doesn't make as much money and isn't as, as integral. Is that really a good trade? <laughs> um, Jam says, maybe we should just keep the 23-year-old center. <laughs> uh, I, for the record, for the record, I'm very much into uh, let's uh, do some uh, group therapy and let's have a coach sit down with DA and yeah. find a way I to make that if, work. If, but if it's... you just wave the green at DA for his contract, get that out of the way. That'll There's no way he's in a bad mood next year. I, I think this this whole DA doesn't want to be here is a lot of, a lot of he doesn't want to be disrespected, salary wise. And and nobody, I mean, who would who in any organization that is more than right. you know, uh, five people big, uh, wants to be like, oh, hey, you're very important to us, but we're going to give other guys special treatment, and you are going to complain about everything you, you do, but you're still very valuable to us. You're just not. We don't want to pay it very much either. So. Uh, but, you're, you know, we really like you. I mean, D- D.A. has, you know, there, there's this, uh, you mentioned it earlier, Dave, that he doesn't have kind of a, the team first attitude. Or so, some people on Twitter all of a sudden think that because of the one outburst I saw in the playoffs. But D.A., the entire season, my yeah. brother Book, you know, yeah, Chris yeah. Paul no, is such a great a leader. He has a huge you know, like, team first attitude. What exactly. he doesn't, I think, have is the James yeah, he, Jones. He bought into a different team. role. I mean, he changed his yeah. entire game for the betterment of the team for the past two seasons. So, Mm-hmm. And he didn't get paid for it. Doesn't get rewarded for that sacrifice. So of course he's going to be upset. Um, if you can repair the relationship, I say go for it. You're, otherwise, you're going to end up with Miles Turner. Um, have fun with that. I just, <laughs> I just don't see a point. Like there's none of these guys are going to make the Suns yeah. better, and that's what this is about. We're trying to win a championship, not 
you know, be a mediocre team. If you're going to trade DeAndre, it needs to be for someone, either something that leads to a Durant or a Siakam or something like that, something that can move the needle. If you're just trying to get a little bit better at center and maybe improve on the margins at power forward, you're going to win 55 games next year and be a second round exit. So I, I just don't try to repair the, the relationship. That's your best point. Uh, the best thing you could do at this point. So, Yeah. Um, the uh, R says only keep Aiton if you're going to make him a primary scoring option. If not, it's a waste of cap space. I will just point you to the Golden State Warriors. They're paying Andrew Wiggins the same money. And um, he's not a cap space if he wins you a championship, helps you win a championship, which is what DA was already, already proved at year tw- age 22 that he can be the third best player on a finals team. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's unproven. Another thing, too, to jump on that is if you do pay him and, like, let's say it blows up again and chemistry is not great, you could just trade him and you could actually get the salary back that you'd want for a bigger trade and so that's yeah. there's more flexibility by bringing them that's back. That's the other thing. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. If they don't see the summer, if the Suns don't see the summer playing out to have an, an objectively better series of moves, I think they just I, they just take the I just take the um sorry, they they match the offer or sign him to that max, just like you just said, Brandon. And they keep him through December, February, whatever it is till next summer, and they trade him when it is a good trade for that kind of salary. And then you can trade him for a $30 million player. And then it's more of an even trade. Um, Has anyone thought about whether Aiden actually wants to be there? Look, I have talked to Aiden, like obviously not on a personal level. I'm not trying to make this more than it is. I've talked to him on a media to player level, but the dude has no filter. The dude has no, he doesn't spend all his time coming up with platitudes that these guys come up with and the guy doesn't the guy just wants to be loved and he wants to love everyone around him. That's just the way it is. So does Aiden even want to be here? He doesn't want to be in a place he's disrespected. If he feels respected and honored, then he's going to love being here. And he loved it during their finals year. There's, he doesn't have that kind of personality to dislike a place that likes him. He just feels disrespected right now, I think. And um, he'll, everything will be just fine if he signs a max, stays here, signs whatever contract he does, stays here. And um, they, they think of him as part of the future. The thing that bothered me more than anything, and I think it was probably Monty Williams just because he was thinking about something else, but he talked about how he needs, to, he, he needs guys to improve for next year, and he never once mentioned DeAndre and they've never talked about Aiton being a key offensive piece or a key. They just say, yeah, he's he's great to have. But they don't talk about like him growing and becoming. But that's what bothers me. And so I think it's more that the Suns don't value Aiton than it is that Aiton doesn't want to be with the Suns. Aiton always wanted to be with the Suns. Dave, I will say I'm a little disappointed because I was really hoping you were going to say instead of a media to player um talking uh, relationship you're going to say that you hop on to nba 2k at about 3 a.m in the morning and uh wait for da to sign on and just say da we need you here in the valley man uh, and he's like oh, thanks dave you know this why yeah because that's what they love you. to do is they love to get fans talking to them while they're doing something else i'm sure yeah <laughs> you could be a hero dave i'm just saying if anyone wants to moonlight as a late night gamer you know i 
I, I love NBA 2K, but, you know, I okay. usually turn it off after two. <laughs> yeah. Do you see the white beard? You're doing anything <laughs> after two. <laughs> well, Dave, uh, you asked me to come up with a trade scenario. Could I go now or uh, do you want to hold on? Go for it. Let's okay. do it. So I guess, you know, I've been hearing, of course, the the Miles Turner's, Clint Capella uh, type arguments, uh, of course. And as we talked about Siakam, I think that was the other big one I've been seeing so much in my uh, Twitter feed. But uh, one, uh, listening to uh, you and Keith, right? It was Keith uh, that did the uh, midweek with you. Uh, great episode. Frustratingly uh, difficult to try and figure out all the numbers. So I appreciate you guys going through it uh, because I, I uh, yeah. It felt like going back to high school math, and I was not a fan. Um, but uh, so I started thinking, okay, as we've talked about, right, uh, we're not going to get equal value for a top 10 big man in the league, num- former number one pick, young, that we can max out and got a lot of room to grow. So when I hear these Turner-type picks and, and like Turner in the six or something like that, I think the best thing to do is to trade for more tradable resources, uh, regardless of whether or not they're going to fit in as much. And uh, I have yep. tornado sirens being tested. So if that cuts in, I apologize. But um, uh, there, yeah. So here, here's my, here's my trade idea. And it hasn't been mentioned. I love it. You're doing this. You're like, you're like wizard of Oz. Oh, the mm-hmm. tornado's coming, but I'm just going to stay here. And if I have to, I'll click. It's, a, it's, it's really, if, if anyone's <laughs> from the Midwest, this is the most Midwestern thing we do is uh, when the tornadoes starts uh, going off the sirens, we go outside and we go, let's watch it. Let's watch it for a while. Cause we can see it coming from a mile away. So it's a, it's, it's kind of a unique approach, but um, uh, okay. So here's, here's the one that's kind of my current dream scenario. And I don't know how good these guys are because I don't see them play as often. But I went with the Magic because they have a lot of uh, uh, cap room to absorb this kind of stuff. So I put together uh, DeAndre Ayton and Landry Shamit because uh, I want to. I want us to get out of the second round, as you guys know. Otherwise, we have to get the Shamit first. <laughs> um, so uh, I've heard some people say Wendell Carter Jr., which I think could be a great replace me. He's not going to be as good as DA. Uh, so I'll say that up front. Wendell Carter Jr. getting him uh, down low. And then Cole Anthony is on a $3.6 million contract for two years. Franz Wagner, 5.2 for three years. And Jalen Suggs is at 6.9 for three years. I don't know if I did all the math perfectly. Uh, you know, We might have to send another campaign type deal back. But to me, Wagner, uh, Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, even though he had a disappointing year for what uh, the Magic were expecting, three young tradable resources that maybe they're able to fit with us. Uh, we do need some backcourt help. Uh, so Suggs and Anthony, I think, would be fantastic uh, coming off the bench for us. Wendell Carter Jr. would be good. Wagner could be a great tradable uh, person you know, at the trade deadline. If I'm the Magic, I think this would actually be great because I would then make DA my centerpiece, and then they've got, obviously, draft picks that they can just – Okay, this is what we're building around. So it's it feels a little bit like trading DA for parts, but I think it's it's the classic Phoenix Suns. We do love our pe- people with potential, even if they don't always reach it. Um, so I turn it back to you guys. It, 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 does the bevy of players coming back from the Magic uh, uh, make it feel like it's palatable to you guys? Zoni, you go first. Yeah, so I love Wendell Carter Jr. I think he'd be. Uh, sort of that mix of like where miles turner he could shoot but he could also rebound and defend and move so he'd be an awesome uh replacement that also fits like the you know the timeline of like booker and mikhail 
but I think that's that's a lot for Orlando to give up, you know, giving up their three of their top prospects. Um, you know, Franz, uh, you know, he's someone I think that they're probably going to try to build around. But if you can get one of Cole Anthony or Suggs um, and maybe some picks to kind of flip, like you mentioned, to use them in a separate trade, then I'd, I'd be all for it. Um, that's That does it for me a lot more than like a Turner or Capella or just – uh, you know, just a, a blatant downgrade. Um, this at least gives you hope to make another deal and flip it and improve in other areas. But yeah, I think uh, that that'd be a pretty heavy price to pay for Orlando. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I I don't know. I think the Suns would obviously do that, but I like I like where your heads at though. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, so yeah. it go ahead. Well, I was just going to add Dave because uh, to add to it as well. I mean, and I, if I'm the Suns, I'd think about throwing in a future first or something like that. But as we saw during the, what I refer to as the dark decade of uh, Suns, uh, you know, waiting on our number fourth, you know, a, a Dragon Bender to develop, uh, you know, an Archie Goodwin to develop, a Marquise Krista to, to, you know, pan out. Having a provable commodity like a DA to build around when some of us like me, were like, I don't know about this Chris Paul deal. Uh, the Magic might be thinking, okay, we need that proven star. Do we t- do we do what we have to to get him? And so uh, I don't know if we throw in some future picks as well to kind of soften it. But uh, I-, I could see that if the Magic are looking at it from what we saw with the Milwaukee Bucks and obviously our own sons, maybe they need to step up and just say, OK, we've got a lot of great potential players, but the Suns are offering us a fantastic player for all that potential. I'm not saying it's perfect, and I agree with you. The Magic would be looking at, uh, if I'm a Magic fan, I'm like, that's too much, that's too much. But then again, that's because we went through the dark decade of, you no, know, one of these guys is going to pan out to a star, just wait. Yeah, so that that's it's quite interesting. The way you started it out I, made me more interested than the way um, you framed it at the finish. And let me explain what I mean. You started it out by saying, we should, instead of trying to trade for that one player who replaces DA, yeah. let's trade for pieces that can help for the future or be flipped for the future. And look, uh, what's been talked about a little bit is that if the Suns do trade DA because of the salary cap limitations where they can only take back just over half of this new contract value, um, why not trade him for young players that another team wants that might trade their top 10 NBA player because that player is tired of being on that team. Who the hell could that be? Well, maybe it's Damian Lillard. Maybe it's, it's probably not Lillard, but let's say maybe it's Damian Lillard. Maybe it's Kevin Durant. Maybe it's LeBron James. Maybe it's someone else who is an arguably top 10 player who's tired of being in the situation they're currently in and their team is willing to rebuild. So you get as many rebuildable pieces, exciting young pieces as you can for DA, like you're proposing here. And then those get flipped to another team. Many of those get flipped to another team. Orlando does have to do consolidation at some point. They really do. They have to consolidate at some point. They not only have 22-year-old Wendell Carter Jr. And as you said, Franz Wagner, Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, those are all very unproven. who's coming back soon uh, because he had been um, hurt this past year, year and a half, two years, 10 years. I don't know how long he's been hurt, but basically that dude eventually will get healthy. And they've got the number one pick coming in the draft, who is Mm -hmm. most likely the top three 
values in the draft are big men, um, but not the DeAndre Ayton type big men. They're the power forward type big men. So you've got a Chet Holmgren or you've got a Jabari Smith or someone like that. So you've got Isaac and Smith and Franz Wagner and all these front court guys. They may want to move on um, and consolidate at some point. So it's possible that an Orlando trade could happen, but I would do it more from the point of view of moving those players onto a team that wants to trade their top 10 player to the Suns for them. Yeah, I agree. And I, with with Franz, I, I just don't see them moving him. Uh, I think, you know, he made, he's all rookie first team. Um, but if you can get one of like Cole Anthony or Jalen Suggs and Wendell and, uh, you know, or an, any combination of picks, like for me, I'm going to call Brooklyn's GM and say, which young players do you like? For That's my first move. Because if you're trying yeah. to trade for Durant, if that's the next step, then figure out who they want um, and, and get that deal done kind of like under the table. Because obviously it can't all happen at once. <clears throat> but, but yeah, I think uh, that type of move could also backfire if, like, let's say they pulled the trigger and then maybe there's a change of heart with the team that they thought they had a deal in place with. That's obviously worst case scenario, but um, right. I like where That's the worst at. case scenario is you have to have almost certainty that <laughs> yeah. that next trade could be made because just bringing those players back and putting them on the Suns roster, you've lowered the Suns ceiling for 2022, 2023. Yep. You have. You just can't expect to win big playoff games or even have a good playoff seed if four of your rotation players are 22 and under. You just can't do yep. it. It's not going to happen. So um, the Suns won't happen. That, that's just that kind of punts on the next year a little bit. And you can't afford to punt. The Suns are not moving on from Chris Paul. They're going to try to maximize the 2022-23 year without sacrificing the far future. Um, and so they're going to do whatever it takes to be as contendery as possible this next year. And then see what happens after that. Because then all of your contracts kind of go away and you can rebuild around Devin Booker and Mikel Bridges and possibly Aiton at that point. Uh, but for this next year, they're really going to maximize the Chris Paul time, so they're not going to stop at it. If you see, if you guys see DeAndre Aiton traded for young players, then that means that they're trading for somebody else. They're going to send those players right. on to some, somewhere else. They're not yeah. going to keep those guys if they can. It's funny and, because like my reaction, if there's a Woj bomb and it's like the Suns acquired like all these young players – I'd be stoked because I know what that means. And but I feel yep. like the, the rest of the NBA Twitter would just be like yep. shitting on the Suns, like, what, what are you guys doing? And like, we'd all just be out. sitting there going, okay, who's the yeah. top 10 player that they've got that deal in place with? Mm -hmm. Exactly. exactly. Um, yeah, so that's 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 a good thing. If you see DA traded for Clint Capella, then it might be over. It might be that that's all they do. But if you see him traded for young players, then yeah, there's there's the there's the flip possibility going on. All right, um, the Suns, um, for anyone who's thinking about DA trades, you cannot include draft picks in those trades. I saw a mm -hmm. bunch of comments, a bunch of suggestions in the chat. This and the four pick, this and the six pick, this and the blah, blah, blah pick. The draft is a week before DA can be traded. So <laughs> the picks have already happened. It doesn't, and those picks almost never get traded within a week after the draft or something else. By the time a team is committed to taking a player, they're going to keep the player. Tampering is not that real. Tell me the last, tell me how often players who were just, uh, just drafted in the top 10 the week before are traded in the first few days of free agency. It almost never happens. Andrew Wiggins 
is almost the last time that happened. It just doesn't happen, guys. So that tampering is not that real. Um, anyway, so there's our there's our show for this week. We talked through a lot of eight and trades. I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope you come back. I hope you listen. Um, if you if you want more cap details about why we're uh, all the whys on all this and why DeAndre and you can't get as much back for him, listen to my prior pod with Keith Smith. He's our cap guru. Um, so uh, if you if you put those two together, you'll have a much better idea of what does work for Aiden and what doesn't work. Uh, so thank you very much for listening, everybody. Brandon, tell us where we can find you around the web. Yeah, uh, it was a fun episode. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ZonaHoops underscore, brightsideofthesun.com, and ZonaHoops.com. All right, Jake? Find me at Fallen Founder on Twitter. All right, um, Sunder's Tunks, the OG thing is dead. No, we had just talked about that in the last episode with Keith, so I didn't bring it up again today. It could definitely happen. OG fits salary-wise, and I would actually think OG could be flipped for a top 10 player too. So if the Suns acquired OG, that'd be great, but not along with draft picks. And really, I'm not convinced the Raptors want to trade any, you know, how, who the Raptors want to trade from their core. Um, so uh, we'll see. But the OG thing isn't necessarily dead. Uh, we just didn't talk about it today. Okay, guys, have a good day. I'm Dave King. Uh, find me at Dave King NBA on Twitter and all my writing at brightsideofthesun.com. I'll catch you all later.